0: Welcome to the Temple Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from Swan River, Manitoba, Canada. This week, we join Pastor Neil Effa as he preaches from John 3.16 in Part 1 of an Advent sermon series called Gift Exchange, with this message from December 1st titled, God's Gift to Us, His Son.
1: Well, as you are aware, Friday, November 29th, was Black Friday, and I'm sure that there were many of you wandering through town or maybe even going online looking for some of those bargains, those big deals. And you are aware that tomorrow, December 2nd, is Cyber Monday. Black Friday is the name given to the shopping day after Thanksgiving in the United States. It was originally called Black Friday because a because volume of shoppers created traffic accidents and sometimes even violence. On Black Friday, retailers hoped their ledgers went from red ink to black ink. Cyber Monday is a term which refers to the first Monday after Black Friday. It made its debut in 2005 and refers to one of the biggest online shopping days of the year. The research group Finders recently surveyed 1,200 Canadians and found that 87% of Canadians plan to score a deal during these pre-Christmas sales events. With the average Canadian spending close to $1,000, this year's end of year shopping is expected to contribute $29.5 billion to the economy. I think it is safe to say that many of the purchases on Black Friday and Cyber Monday will be given as Christmas gifts. You see, at Christmas time, giving is thrust into a national festival of such proportions that major corporations rise and fall on the basis of people's Christmas giving habits. Christmas is a season when we think about giving and when we think about gifts. Although things have changed as to how we purchase and give gifts. At the core of Christmas is still the whole business of giving and receiving of gifts. For example, some families make it a practice to buy a gift for each member of the family. Other families exchange names and buy a gift for the person whose name they have drawn. Other families have each member buy and wrap a generic gift and then from the pile of gifts have family members choose a gift to open. And friends will often exchange gifts with one another as tokens of their friendship. But this one thing is certain. The giving and receiving of gifts is still central to the observance and celebration of Christmas. In fact, Christianity itself is all about receiving and giving of gifts. Giving is a Christian virtue not to be taken lightly. It's a tragedy for life to be lived in ignorance of the joy of generous giving. So in light of that, as we journey through Advent to Christmas, I'm going to take you through a three-part sermon series, which I've titled Gift Exchange. And in this series, we will consider God's gift to us, and our gift to God, and our gift to one another. This morning, we begin by considering God's gift to us. And in preparation for the message, I came across an outline by Dr. Curtis Hudson, which I think will be helpful as we consider this topic 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And that prophecy was fulfilled in the words found in John's gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. Many of us know that Jesus Christ was God's Christmas gift to us. As John says, Jesus was sent into the world to redeem us from our sin through his death and through his resurrection. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we also know that God never gives anything but the best. James, a brother of Jesus, makes this clear when he penned, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow due to change. So as we think about God's gift to us, the gift of his son. There are a number of things that I want us to remember. I believe that it is necessary for us to remember that it was an unsolicited gift. Many times Christmas gifts are a result of a specific request. How many parents have gotten a list of things Their child wants for Christmas several times already. Amy and I have asked the question of our children. What would you like for Christmas or what can we get you for Christmas? We ask the question because we want to give them a gift that they will use not something that will be put on the top shelf in their closet never to be looked upon again. Therefore we try to buy them something that they express as a need something they know that they can use. But that was not so with God's Christmas gift. His was an unsolicited gift. In other words, it wasn't man who saw his need and asked God for help. It was our heavenly father who foresaw man's need and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and fled from the presence of God, it wasn't Adam who saw his need and sought the father, but the father who, knowing Adam's need, sought him. It was God who asked, where are you, Adam? And not Adam who asked, where are you, God? You and I, sinners, are pictured in the Bible as lost sheep. The scripture says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I'm told that sheep are geographical morons. That a lost sheep left to himself will never find their way home, but will actually wander farther and farther away. Jesus told a parable in which a shepherd set out to look for a lost sheep. And the parable speaks to the heart of God who sent his son to seek and to save those who were lost. That includes you. And that includes me. D.A. Carson was quoted as saying, If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor, but he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and he sent us a savior. I think it is mind boggling to think that the greatest gift ever given was unsolicited. We didn't ask for it. We didn't see our need for it. We didn't request or beg for it. It wasn't on the top of our list of needs and wants. However, as our text in John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's Christmas gift, the gift of his son, was not only an unsolicited gift, It is also an unlimited gift you and I know that there are stores which cater only to the very wealthy the gifts they offer for sale are so expensive that many people can't afford them and therefore they are unable to enjoy the gifts that are enjoyed by the wealthy but this is not the case with God's Christmas gift it is unlimited the promise in John 316 is for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. Jesus Christ was God's gift to the entire world. No matter no one. No matter their financial standing. Their social standing. Or their ethnicity is excluded. The apostle John says. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. And Hebrews 2.9 plainly states regarding Jesus. That by the grace of God. He might taste death for everyone. The Bible says Jesus died for every man, woman, and child, no matter how educated or uneducated, no matter how wealthy or poor, no matter how privileged or underprivileged, no matter how loved or unloved, no matter how wanted or unwanted. God's Christmas gift is unlimited. If a person dies without knowing Jesus personally, they will never be able to look to heaven from their eternal damnation and say, I wanted to be saved, but Jesus Christ did not die for me. That is one statement they will not, they will never be able to make because the gift is available to one and all, and no one is excluded except he who excludes himself by refusing to trust Jesus Christ as savior. I think the greatest invitation of the Bible is whosoever will may come. This call is the most amazing, is the most amazing aspect of gospel salvation. This whoever will includes you. It includes me. It includes everyone and anyone. No one has ever been excluded and no one will ever be excluded. If by faith they receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there's another amazing truth regarding God's gift to us. The gift of God's son is an unspeakable gift. Reflecting on this wonderful gift, the the gift of Jesus, the apostle Paul says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's amazing that the Apostle Paul, who has the ability to find whatever word is necessary at whatever place in his writing, came to that moment where he couldn't come up with the word. No descriptive synonym that he could find in his mind or in literature that would adequately express the significance of the gift God has given in his son. So he coined a word. A word found nowhere else in the Bible which is translated unspeakable. Perhaps your translation says inexpressible or indescribable. Why does Paul call Jesus the unspeakable? The inexpressible or the indescribable gift. I believe that Paul calls Jesus unspeakable because of his nature. How do you describe Jesus? What words would you choose? How do you describe a baby born of a virgin? How do you describe God in flesh walking upon our earth and and reaching out to the hurting masses of humanity? Isaiah said that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. How do you describe that? What words would you choose? How would you describe that which is spirit when all that we have ever known is that which is either physical or material? How do you describe God who has all knowledge when all we have is limited knowledge? How do you describe God who is all powerful? How do you describe the eternal? How do you describe the indescribable? Paul says we can't. Even when we bring together our greatest minds and our most extensive vocabularies. We cannot adequately describe Jesus because he's always more. He's beyond words. He is the treasure beyond measure. He is the father's unspeakable, inexpressible, indescribable gift to us. But there's still so much more considering Concerning God's Christmas gift. Scripture also tells us that the gift of God's son is the unchanging gift. Many of the Christmas gifts we received years ago are no longer of use to us. Because they are now obsolete, worn out, broken. Do you remember when you got your VCR? You can't even purchase VHS tapes anymore unless from a grad sale. Digital cameras used to be very popular, but who needs a camera when you have that technology built into your cell phone? I had a part malfunction on my 1998 Dodge pickup. When I went to order the part, they informed me that the part is no longer available. They don't make it anymore. You and I are so aware that everything in our society. Is in constant change and flux. Times change. Styles change. Attitudes and tastes change. There are changes in education. Changes in business. Changes in technology. Nearly everything we know changes. The things we are given or own. Eventually wear out. Change or become obsolete. But not so with Jesus. He never becomes obsolete or out of date. He is God's unchanging gift. Notice how the writer of Hebrews describes Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There can be no moral change in Jesus. If he got better, it would mean that he was not perfect before he improved. And if he got worse, it would mean he was no longer perfect. But not only is there no moral change in Jesus, there is no change within himself. He never differs from himself. He never acts contrary to his nature. He never changes from understanding to more understanding, from impatient to patient, from merciful to more merciful, or from willing to more willing. All that Jesus is, he's always, he always has been. And all that he has been and is, he ever will be. He is the same today to those who trust him as Savior. As he was to those who trusted him 2,000 years ago. We enjoy the same savior and salvation that John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon and Billy Sunday and Billy Graham and all the saints of bygone years enjoyed. Included in a familiar hymn are these lyrics. Don't worry, I won't sing them to you. I'll just repeat them. Oh, how sweet the glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame. Cheer the mourners, still the tempest. Glory to his name. Yesterday, today, forever. Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. But there's so much more. The gift of God's son is an undeserved gift. Jesus came to bring us salvation. In Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, Paul describes salvation as a free gift. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The very fact that salvation is a gift indicates that it is undeserved. If it is earned or deserved, it's no longer a gift. A gift is something offered with no strings attached and salvation is such a gift. It's holy of grace. Regarding those who work to earn heaven, Jesus said in Matthew 7, and 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is saying that works offered to God in an attempt to earn salvation are described as works of iniquity, works of lawlessness. No matter how good these works may be, they are still works of iniquity or works of lawlessness. And so stop and consider this. Everything we have ever received, we received in one of three ways. We either earned it, we either stole it, or somebody gave it to us. Now, in order to go to heaven, when we die, we will either have to earn it, steal it, or someone will have to give it to us. Could we earn heaven? If we had a million lifetimes and worked day and night, there is no way that we could ever earn heaven. Our sin would keep us from heaven because heaven is a place of purity. And we certainly couldn't steal it. The scriptures teach us that thieves will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And if we can't earn it or steal it, then there's only one other way for us to enjoy heaven and it must be a gift and therefore must be given to us. And that is exactly what the Bible says. Heaven, the gift of salvation is an undeserved gift. But I want to conclude with this one thought yet, that the gift of God's son in many ways and for many people is an unclaimed gift. At Christmas, parents, children, siblings, and friends friends make a sacrifice in purchasing Christmas gifts for the ones they love. These gifts are wrapped in beautiful packages and they're laid underneath the tree. And excitement builds as Christmas Day approaches. And those who have made the sacrifices are anxious to watch their loved ones and friends open the Christmas presents. So parents watch with joyful faces as their children open a beautiful package and, and then exclaim, this is just what I wanted. Thank you so much. And then another package is opened and the scene is repeated. How sad it would it be that after all the sacrifice and expense, some gift is left unclaimed. Some package is unopened. How sad the giver would feel to think that the gift is not wanted, that has been neglected. Yet the greatest gift of all, God's Christmas gift, Jesus Christ, is still unclaimed by millions. In John 3.16, Jesus says, Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You and I know that not everyone in this world has believed in Jesus. Not everyone in the world has yet to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus tasted death for every man, but every man is not trusting Christ for that salvation. To millions of people, Jesus Christ is still a stranger. Perhaps there is someone here who has never trusted Christ the Savior. You have never received him. If that be the case, let me urge you to trust him now. Don't wait another moment. The Bible warns, behold, now is a favorable time. Behold now is a day of salvation. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross is sufficient for all, but it is efficient only to those who believe. The words believe and receive are used together in the scriptures. For example, the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, "But to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God." To believe Is to receive. Believe. Is used in the Bible. Means to trust. To depend on. To rely on. To receive God's Christmas gift. Simply means that one must admit. That he or she is a sinner. Believe the gospel story. That Jesus Christ died. For our sins at Calvary. And then trust him completely. And so I want to ask you this morning. Have you claimed. The free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If the answer is no, you can do so right now, right where you are sitting. You can pray and just open your heart up to Christ and say, I believe in you. I believe that you came to this earth, that you went to the cross to die for my sin, that you rose again in victory over death and sin. And I want to receive this morning that free gift of eternal life that you're offering to me. If you would like someone to pray with you or to discuss this further with you, please seek me out after the service or seek another believer out and 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 listen to what they need they need to tell you regarding what it means to become a follower of Jesus. But if you have claimed the free gift of salvation, I ask, are you passionately, consistently, intentionally sharing Christ with your family, your friends? co-workers, your neighbors? Do you long for them to come to know Jesus in a personal way? You and I have been entrusted with a mission of declaring the good news of the gospel, the news that Jesus Christ came to bring everlasting life to the whole world. I ask, have you personally embraced that mission? Have I embraced that mission? Together as a congregation, as a fellowship of believers, have we embraced that mission? So, what is God's gift to us? It is the gift of His one and only Son, who He sent into this world to bring us salvation through His death and resurrection. This gift is unsolicited, it is unlimited, it's unspeakable, it's unchanging, it's undeserved, and unfortunately for many people, it's unclaimed. When God decided to give us the gift of eternal life, it wasn't something He just thought of on the fly. Long before there was a town called Bethlehem, a garden called Eden, and a planet called Earth, a decision was made in eternity that God would send forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. It was Cory Ten Boom who said, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. And I pray that before you leave this sanctuary this morning, you have assurance and confidence that you have everlasting life because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Because you believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have
0: everlasting life. Thanks for joining us. We hope we were able to provide wisdom and insight in your faith journey. If you would like to connect with us, you are welcome to join our service every Sunday morning at 1030. For more information, you can find us at facebook.com slash TBC Swan River. And if you would like to find more episodes of our podcast, Go to anchor.fm slash temple church or search on your favorite podcast app.